Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here is your host, Director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Well, thank you, Stephen, for the introduction, and thank you guys for joining us. You know what? I have uh, had on my mind for quite a while today uh, a verse because I feel like there's probably somebody out there, and I'm not one of those guys that says, I know there's somebody out there that, that this is the word for, because this is a word that's really for everybody anyway. But I just feel like there's a lot of discouragement. There's a lot of things out there that, that people are worried about. And a lot of times it's, it's, I'm not good enough. How can I come to Christ? How can I do this? Well, listen, I look at the same thing in my walk and in my ministry. I look at how can God use me as flawed an individual as I am. And uh, God, I've done this or I'm walking along well and I have some mean thought or whatever the case might be. And all of a sudden I realize that out there and I'm driving in here and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? There's people out there hurting. There's people that have this self-condemnation on them there. And maybe they have the condemnation of other people, of their family or their friends or of people that just flat don't like them. And their own heart starts to condemn them as well. And so, of course, the one verse that popped right into my mind was Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You know, when you walk in, in this life as a believer, you are still going to make mistakes. You're still going to fall into certain sins and the difference is you're not walking according to the flesh. You are walking according to the Spirit with a, a flawed nature that now, little by little, progressive sanctification, God changes you to be more and more like his Son. And this is not a sermon today. I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to, to tell somebody out there, and even my own heart, listen, you're never going to be good enough to get into God's kingdom, but the good news is God is good enough to get you in there. And the sacrifice of his son on the cross, and you're coming to him in repentance and in faith, you are saved by grace through faith, and this not of yourself, and that should be good news for all of us. So listen, if you don't have the joy of the Lord, then you need to go, and you need to go before the Lord, and you need to remember who you are. <clears throat> You're the doulos of God, the slaves of God, the bond servants of God. <clears throat> I just told the guys at the mission last week, listen, you know, uh, I want you to see the difference between your walk of Christianity and how you could possibly have joy being the doulos or the bond servant or the slave of Christ. How does that work? Because everything is contradictory in the kingdom of God. You give to get. And I don't mean that you give a dollar to get $10. I mean you surrender, you give, you do those things, and in, in return you get much more than you have given. And it may not come in the form of dollars and cents, 
but in many other spiritual blessings. And it might come in money. I don't know. But I'm, I'm only saying to you that you give and you get in return. To live, you die. You, you come to Christ and you become a slave to be set free. What, what slave master ever died for his slaves? And then he calls us brothers and sons and daughters, and he wraps his wings around us, and he comforts us, and he fills us with joy in the worst of times. And how does he do it? He does it by his grace. I've been going through Philippians with people at the mission, and uh, it, it, and I told you last week, I believe briefly, that it's a book of joy. It is a book of absolute joy. Every single page in, in Philippians has joy written all over it. And Paul is, Paul is beat up. His back's been opened up. He's chained between guards. He's in Rome. He's going to die. And he doesn't know at that moment if he's not gonna, whether he's going to live or whether he's going to die. And so he writes this letter to the Philippians. And what's he say? I count it all joy. I, you know, I, I have joy. Every remembrance of you, I have joy. And so uh, when you're there and you are filled with condemnation about your own life and who you are and what you've done or maybe what you just did, and you've come to Christ, you, you thought you were walking the path and something happened, you, sin reared its ugly head, and now you've, you've done something you regret, now you feel like there's no way back to God, you better think again. I want you to think again because I don't want you to go through your life like that. Paul, if anybody had anything to, to say as far as, listen, I'm, I'm forgiven, or, hey, I have some things in my past that I can't forgive myself for, it would have been, it would have been Paul. I mean, Paul was, it was a killer of Christians, right? So when people came to him and they wanted to brag about their works, okay, so you say to yourself, well, uh, I don't have enough good works to get into heaven. Okay, do you, do you, do you, does anybody have enough good works to get into heaven? And the answer is simple. You don't have enough good works to get yourself into heaven. Listen to what Paul says. He says, says beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the mutilation, for we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit. And that's important to understand. They weren't, they, they weren't worshiping in a physical uh, sense of, of, okay, we're going to be circumcised. That's a works thing. We're going to get into heaven due to our lineage and all that kind of stuff. We have no confidence in the flesh. And then he turns the tables a little bit. And I want you to picture, can you imagine... This guy is sitting and he's talking to these people that are self-righteous because of their works. And you see him in churches too. You know, I give uh, this amount of money and I do this and I never cuss and I never do this and I do do this. And, and they walk right on down the line and they resemble a little bit sometimes like the uh, Pharisees standing in the church and are standing in the temple, and, and there's a tax collector, and he says, oh, thank you, Lord. I'm not like other men. I'm not like, you know, this guy, this guy, or this tax collector. 
and the tax collector couldn't do anything but hang down his head and and then lift up his voice to the Lord because he was not worthy. And the Bible says, I'll tell you what, one of them walked away justified and wasn't the Pharisee. It wasn't the big-time guy. It was the man who humbled himself. And then Paul turns the tables on him, and he's looking him square in the eye. Can you picture this? He says, so we don't take any confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. Uh Uh-oh, what do you mean? If anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. You think you're all that in a bag of chips, right? Well, let me tell you something. If you want to compare pedigrees and notes, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. I'm sure Paul did not use the word nitty-gritty. Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Here's who I am. The law required on the eighth day that I be circumcised, and I was. Of the stock of Israel, I am a child of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin, I am giving you my credentials, and they're impeccable. A Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law, a Pharisee. He trained under Gamaliel, who was the beauty of the law, is what they called him. He had the credentials. It's like, it's like seeing a Ph.D. from Harvard. This guy had all the right credentials. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. He went after the Christian church with everything he had. He had zeal. He had anger. He had hatred. He had vitriol towards him. He didn't have joy, but he had all the other things. And so he was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is by the law, blameless. Of course, when Jesus entered his heart, and actually he became born again, he realized that Christ had kicked the the leg out from underneath the chair of his self-righteousness. You remember Jesus said, oh, you have never committed adultery? Oh, good. He didn't say that directly to Paul, but he said, good. He said it to all of us. But I say to you, if you've looked at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. And he did the same with murder. And so now we have no legal right to stand in front of a holy God, right? But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Wow. So he had everything going. He was blameless. He was righteous. He was a Pharisee's Pharisee. He had the best of training. He persecuted the church with everything he had until that day that on the way to Damascus, guess what happened? He was knocked to the ground, the flash of light, the voice of Christ saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. And so what I'm getting at is if Paul the Apostle, writing two-thirds of the Bible, chained between guards, filled with joy for the, for the Philippians, if he can find the joy and the peace in the middle of a circumstance that most of us would be in absolute despair, why can't we do that? 
And if you think you have no hope because you did something really bad, Paul did better. And he did it knowing what the law was. He knew it. And he did these things to the church. He persecuted men and women, boys and girls, throwing people in jail. He was standing in the, in the dirty street as Stephen, the first martyr of the church, voiced the whole of what he was about, his defense. He had not denied Moses. He had not done this. He had not done that. And he gave it to them all the way up. And as they were stoning him to death for the truth, guess who was standing in the street? Saul, who would later be Paul, the apostle, giving approval to what was happening. So he's not only a persecutor of the church, he's a murderer. And yet, in God's infinite grace, his wisdom, his mercy, he saved Paul. He filled Paul with joy, growing every day in him as he, as he learned to minister, as he became the great apostle to the Gentiles. And unless you're a Jew, you're a Gentile. And so I, I say this again. I'm not really trying to give you a sermon. I just want that person or those people out there that feel they have no hope, that maybe were, had claimed the name of Christ and they, didn't, they made a mess of it. Well, we all make a mess of it. But you know what? God is the one who strengthened us. God is the one who brings us through. God is the one that paid the price. And you were never capable of doing it anyway. You're not even capable of not sinning. But you are capable of getting on your knees, going before a holy and a sovereign God. And guess what? He is our great high priest. Jesus is our great high priest who stands before the Father all the time. And so I want you to take some solace in that. And you're probably saying, who are you to tell me? <laughs> I'm nobody. I'm a sinner saved by grace through faith. I'm the director of the Union Gospel Mission, a position that I, I never probably was qualified for. I'm a pastor in God's church, also probably never qualified for. But I love the ministry. And not only that, but I, I have such great joy and passion today thinking about how to serve God. I really want that to be the preeminent thing in my life, and I certainly want it for the people that go to the church I go to, to the people that, that are at the mission, for the men that come on the program, and guess what? I want that for you too, and I really do. You know, we were just talking about it, and I've told you guys this before, the whole starfish story. And Michael, our van driver, who's undergoing some uh, radiation therapy right now, and we were talking about the whole starfish thing. And, and that is, and I know you've—forgive me if you've heard it before, but it's certainly worth repeating. And that's the little boy with the good heart. He's standing on the beach. He's, it's, there's a hurricane and there are thousands of starfish up on the beach, and he's throwing them back. When the old man, a little cynical, a little old, you know, jaded by the world, comes up and asks the kid, what are you doing? Well, I'm throwing these starfish back in the ocean, or they'll die. 
He says, son, there's really millions of them. You can't make a difference. Well, guess what? He said, I can make a difference to this one. And so when Michael was talking to me about that, it was the same principle it is it is at the mission. You say, okay, we pour all this money into it. We do all these things. We, we uh, take care of that. How many do we actually see come to Christ and stay in recovery? Well, we actually have a fair amount that do that because, you know, some of the recovery places, if you make it to the end, they count that as a success. But I don't, and I told you this last week, I don't ever count it as a success unless you by, you are still clean and sober when you go home to be with the Lord. That's what I consider a success. When you're still in church and you're still worshiping and loving God every single day, that's a success. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter how many people uh, there are that get to that point. Somebody asked me, was well, it worth it? Well, is it worth it? You know what? If our whole ministry only saw one person step out of the depths of hell and come to saving knowledge to be with Christ forever, would it be worth it? I bet it'd be worth it to them because I know it'd be worth it to me. Somebody told me once about Jesus Christ. I finally came. I made a mess of my, my walk with Christ. He redeemed me and he redeemed me first of all, and then he brought me to a point and he said, yep, you slipped, didn't you? Well, guess what? I forgive you. I love you. Let's get up. Let's keep going. Only by his grace, only by his power, only by his joy. And then he made me a pastor. Then he made me the director of the mission. And he walked with me all the way through as flawed as I can be. And yeah, no, I was never out on the street. I was never an addict. But, and, and I may have told you this before, I told the guys, they asked me, Pastor, were you ever addicted to anything? I said, yeah, I was addicted to stupid, and I did it pretty well. And so I did a lot of things. What I'm trying to get to is there is always hope for you. Do not give up. Don't, don't go and jump off a bridge. Don't go up and abandon the faith. Don't sit in the corner and weep because there is no hope for you. You need to be in your word, on your knees, in your church. And as you follow God as the doulos, the slave of Christ, guess what's going to happen? Joy is going to grow in your life. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. You take, you take the book of Philippians, believer, and you read the book of Philippians, and you read it again, and you listen to all the joy that's in there from a man that really should have no joy because— it's been pretty rugged on him. He's been beaten and abused and all those kind of things. And so, uh, he, he, uh, yet he still had the joy of the Lord. So can you have the joy of the Lord? Can I have it? You bet. So now, the mission. I got to tell you, right now we have been suffering not because of a monetary shortage. You guys have been wonderful to us. And I appreciate every single donation you have made, whether it's been money or whether it's been, you know, non-perishable food or clothing or whatever the case is, and your prayers, too. That's a big deal for me. It's a big deal for anybody who believes in the, in the power of prayer that God hears the prayers of his saints. 
So, okay, now we're there. So, but the problem is we couldn't have our chapel services. And so I believe God moved on my heart to get the, the TV, put it out on the porch and get a zip drive uh, to, to record messages, loop it out there as we're giving hot meals every night. And we've never stopped giving the hot meals. And so we still have clothing going out. We still have the showers taking place. But we haven't been able to have our chapel service, so we got the TV out there, and that's great. Today, we, we got our newsletter going, and we got volunteers who came in socially distancing, and but they got to do the volunteer work of stuffing the envelopes, and I was so grateful to them. But I told them, we need to preach the gospel better than we're preaching it right now, and I don't know if tomorrow the whole thing will be open I don't know if the new wave from Europe is going to affect us being shut down and all the things that go on, but we need to get back to our father's business. And so I've been looking into, and if any of you are contractors, if any of you know a place that that we can obtain these things, there's a very heavy duty, uh, it's got almost like girders, uh, kind of a tent. I mean, they use, I saw one that they were parking an airplane in. Uh, They come in different sizes, of course, but these are really strong. They don't have supports in the middle because they have this girder system. They are certainly not cheap, but you know what? If we had to, I'm, I'm praying about it, that we could take and put one of those over our whole parking lot in the back, not the whole parking lot, but the back part where, where the staff and everybody parks and that we could get tables, special tables. We could start having the pastors come in, start preaching once again. And not only that, then we could feed the people right there without having to have them go back out on the street. And you know what? I can't. I've been thinking about it, thinking about it, and, and I've been praying about it. I would like you guys to pray about it too. That mission of ours has been functioning Pretty well considering the circumstance, but we can always do better. And we're not trying to get money so we can stuff it away in a hole somewhere. I want to use God's money to do God's work for God's people and for the lost people out there. And so, brothers and sisters, if if you know some better way than I do, then give us a call. If If you know somebody who knows about those kind of things— have them give us a call. Uh, man, I mean, the best thing would be is if someplace was closing down and they had one of those giant things and we could have it. But that might be too much to ask. <laughs> but and, and the other part is I want us to have love one for another. And I want you to know that, that I really care about you. And the staff at the mission, we really pray every single day. After lunch, we get together, as many of us as can, and we pray. And many times our donors are in the prayers. The donors are in my prayers every day. And not just because you're giving us money, but because I really want you to walk in the newness of life. I want you to feel the joy of the Lord. I want you to have the things that God wants you to have. They're not always monetary, though. The greatest things that God can give us is inner peace and joy peace with the Lord, that that we know we have a clear conscience. I mean, what a praise that is. 
And so, as always, my dearest friends, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to UGMSAC.com, UGMSAC.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268, 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.